Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week, it's raining flames. Well done. It's Sleepyhead. Yeah, that was totally improv. To be fair, I didn't realize how well that set you up for that. Um, so, you know, a little shock for me, too. I liked it. I didn't realize until I was in the moment. Mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm. what it's that's what it's all about. It's all about being in the moment, feeling the room. We're at David Anthony's yes. apartment, which is um, it's a great room to feel. Uh-huh. I love feeling this room. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's uh, nothing to see here but the rain. Nothing to hold you but the flames. First of all, David Anthony, mm-hmm. my my Tim Crisp co-host of As You Were a Podcast about Alkaline Trio, I would like to very briefly, for yes. the sake of our audience, check in with you and see how you're doing. I am well enough. Uh, I've been very busy. A lot of trips to Cleveland, there and back, work stuff, just, you know, being a person in the world. Um, overrated, but yes. you kind of got to do it sometimes. Um, so I'll be having surgery next week, the next Tuesday, the 26th of November. Um, so I'll be out in Cleveland and then coming back and resting up and, you know, just, uh, going about my business from there. What I am really excited to report is that you and I have come together with a plan. Mm hmm. And one that is going to be pretty easy to follow through with. We Lord willing. Gonna, we're going to bank some goddamn episodes. This is going to return to a weekly posted podcast about Alpha yeah. Trio. We fell off there for a lot of reasons. We recorded one and then you went to Thailand for two weeks and then came back and then I was bouncing around Cleveland. So I, I our initial intention of like, we're going to pick it back up kind of fell down a little bit. But guess what? Now we're picking it back up. We are picking it back the fuck up and we're doing it with this episode that was selected for us by the fine folks on patreon our patreon subscribers i tell you what the most patient seriously people in the universe for allowing us to take our time to put things back together we were finally able to be like hey we want to we want to start paying Mm -hmm. it back we got a couple polls. We got one this week, one next week. And this was one of those where it's just like, hey, comment on with four songs. And that's going to be the poll. And Sleepyhead was the winner. I'm very pleased with this. No one more pleased than you, David Anthony. I'm kind of surprised it won in that bracket. It was kind of a tough one from what I remember. That was a pretty close call, yeah. Um, But... For the duration of this podcast, since we began, I have been itching to talk about this song. I've been scratching my itching, to, to quote Matt Skiba. Um So, yeah, I was very excited to see this one somehow win. I don't know if uh, everyone else loves the song or just knew that uh, I would be very happy to do it, but here we are. And I don't know if you remember this, but I have known you as one to stump for this song since long before we were even talking about this podcast long before better yet even i posted on twitter saying hey 
If you ask me, the cracks in the Alkaline Trio Foundation start a lot earlier than most of us want to think. Sure. And I pointed to Maybe I'll Catch Fire and a couple of moments in that record where I'm like, see, there's there's some problems here. And I remember you jumping all over that because this was after you'd posted your AV Club article about your life as an Alkaline Trio fan. Yes. And I remember specifically you talking about how much you love Sleepyhead. Yes. Um, so let's, I think we've probably talked about, we, I mean, we've talked about Maybe It'll Catch Fire a lot at this point. There's not many songs left on it for us to talk about here. But I think this is an album that over the years, my opinion has changed on multiple times. I got it young. So like around the time it came out, I remember mail ordering it from Asian Man. So like I got it when it was a new-ish record. When mail order took three months, so you weren't getting it new, you were getting it new-ish. Right. Um, and I immediately was like really taken with it, despite how weird it is. Uh, and then as the years went on, it definitely kind of fell in esteem for me. As more records came out, um, it, you know, I would say probably up through the Crimson, I would have said it was my least favorite. Now, is it that it fell as in like your rating of it or is it just that new ones would come along and just continue to stack above it well i I think a little bit of both i think for one i think like i i wouldn't maybe say this now but i think at the time i was a little more immediately smitten with from here to infirmary uh Uh, i like self-titled more i like good morning a lot more yeah overall i think i liked crimson a lot more so i think it was easy for this record to kind of in my mind for a spell be like what I think a lot of people view it as is like, oh, it's the record with radio on it. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, that's not to say I think that's like the best song on the record or, or ever really held that opinion, but I think it's a really fucking weird record in so many ways. Um, y- we've talked about it a lot, but on almost all of the Matt songs on this record, it's a second verse, same as the first situation. Yes. Um, a lot of his songs are long, in my head, this song is like five and a half minutes long. It's not. Yeah. It's like just, uh, just I mean, under really, four. It's like it's like starting off, Keep Em Coming is a really long song. Fuck You Aurora is a really long song. Radio's long. This is long. Yeah. And I mean, this, I think specifically following Fuck You Aurora feels so long. I mean, it's a weird thing and it mirrors a thing I also think they succeeded maybe a little better on on good morning which is like that continental all in black back to back yeah that's kind of a real moody weird section of an album but it's probably about the length of one and one eighth of these two songs you know right right this is almost like the um like this is the this is the the first draft of of what becomes like a very sharpened like yeah and i think they get really good at oh yeah obviously um but there is something that in the years after that, when I would go back to it, I'd be like, oh, like there's really not another Alkaline Trio record that feels like this. And also most of the songs on it, like there's not another song that feels like Sleepyhead. There's not another song that feels like Keep Em Coming, which maybe is to say they're not particularly good. Maybe that's just me being like, oh, this is a real weird outlier. So let's take that with a grain of salt. 
<clears throat> but Sleepyhead in particular for me is a song that I genuinely really love. There was a moment probably a little over a decade ago where I put this record on and all of a sudden I feel like everything just kind of clicked and I feel like this song really highlights what I think Matt was going for and I think it really succeeds at a time where Keep Him Coming sometimes feel feels its length. This one, it doesn't, it has a grander scope to it that I appreciate. Yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of value to in that experience of, you know, you know all of these records front to back. Mm-hmm. You know every little intricacy, every cough that yes. happens in the in the you know, the quieter moments and and then you have a record that you're able to go to that is an alkaline trio record that you haven't explored to quite an extent and you mm-hmm. also you spend enough time away from it you have this opportunity to reanalyze it in a way that's it's fresh and you're looking back at like what you originally pegged it as and now you get to look at it and you say oh there's more here than i thought totally and it's it's a record that doesn't have um my roommate Nick, who's in the back right now, him and I were having this conversation the other night. We were like, you know, even a bad band can have like, they're not a bad band if they have like 10 bangers. And we right, were talking about right. like U2 in particular. Like uh-huh. U2's got like 10 bangers. They've got like 30, but yeah. But you know, they cross the threshold. Yeah. Where it's like right. Megadeth does not have 10 bangers. Uh-huh. You know, like just like we were, we were kind of exploring that. And I think the thing is Alkaline True has a lot of bangers. Not many of them are on this record. Right. And, and the ones that are really aren't written by Matt. Yeah. If we're going to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Dan is a lot more to the to the front with this. He's a lot quicker. He's writing songs that I think you swallow that pill a little easier. So I think this record has always felt really interesting to me because I know people love radio, obviously. And I know people love Fuck You Aurora, which is another song I quite like. Yeah. And they're very long and slow and take their time. But there's not a song really after this that I think does what this one does. And it's kind of two things. Is Matt's strumming pattern and the rhythmic sensibility of the song, he would do that kind of like chunky, oh, like, you know, power chords with open space in between thing later on for sure. Right. Arguably too much. Uh-huh. Um, but he never does it like this again. It's very chunky. It's very jagged jagged it's very shellac um, oh for real it's very like kind of like herky-jerky and feels weird and when i first heard it i was like oh this feels weird this feels off and this feels kind of wrong and dan's filling a lot of the space and i think this to me is maybe glenn at his most tasteful because yeah. he's got a lot of open room but he's not overplaying yeah like his playing in this song is the type of stuff I can hear in other bands that I don't hear people being able to replicate stuff from God damn it. Um, but I think what really made the song finally like solidifies, like this is a great alkaline trio song in my opinion is the fact that it does two things really effectively is lyrically sure a little cheesy. Um, but it's actually expressing the weirdness that he's singing about as opposed to him just singing about it over the top of 4-4 power chords. Right. And secondly, I think it's a song that 
musically evokes the emotion better than Matt delivers it vocally. I think that I agree with statement number one very, very much because mm-hmm. I think that it's it's extraordinarily rare in this band's canon for them to do something that is that has this sort of like emotional like it's not just sadness it's crawling out of your skin it's it's super uncomfortable feeling that is happening in the music and while he he's obviously very good at like you know hitting the right minor chords when we're talking about something really sad mm-hmm. he's never really going after after it in this way where it's just like yo you feel fucking terrible yeah. all the time you feel bad every day and you have to wake up to this every single day yeah and it's it and i think that's what i like about it i would say like i've always felt that the start of keep them coming makes sense to me because he's singing about feeling jet lagged and and feeling very tired so the fact that those riffs take so long to resolve yeah and he plays those parts for 46 fucking uh. measures you're kind of like oh this is actually expressing the sentiment sure and i think that's the thing as i've gotten older is i've really like obviously a great pop song is awesome and a great kind of straight ahead alkaline trio song is awesome my friend peter is great uh jake don greenbeard is great but this song like i actually feel it in the music everything he's describing of like you know scratching these itches of uh the boredom of the boardroom all this shit like he's actually putting it into the music and i think particularly the way it works where like when he comes into those choruses it feels like he's trying to make it into that pop sphere and then by the end of it it just kind of gets real weird and kind of gross again yeah and to me i think this song from that second chorus into the bridge through the end is one of the most evocative pieces they've really written together i think you know the way that matt really hangs on those chords doesn't try to move through them too fast doesn't try to fill the gaps you know dan's doing a great job of that but glenn when he's just pounding on those like the snare and crash cymbals and doing those little kind of like open fills in the second half of every measure, you're kind of like, Oh, like this is really weird. Like you're trying to reach for this catharsis, but you still can't reach it. I love that Glenn like really doesn't hit in the standard. Like, all right, we're really, really building it back up. Like he takes some of those beats to go to the symbols, not to hit the snare even harder, mm-hmm. which is kind of like what you want to do to to get that like emotional catharsis when you go into that last part. Um, I want to go back to your second point on this though, because I think that vocally, this is actually a really really strong Matt performance. Sure, and I think that he sort of embodies a lot of that sort of seething energy that's um you know it's really interesting to listen to this song and to kind of go through the like the emotions behind the words because it could feel sympathetic in a in a way that it's like oh my god like you're you're really losing it but then there's the the energy that's behind it that's like this comes from 
This comes from delivering things mm-hmm. to people in fucking skyscrapers when you've been out on your bike and totally. rained on all totally. day and you see a fucking despicable six-figure motherfucker mm-hmm. looking at you like they've got something on you and it's like, no, no. Totally. I mean, I think there's the seething rage in the verses and I think the reason I say that is because I really like his delivery from basically the same point I just mentioned onward, second chorus through the end. I think when he gets soft in that bridge is great it sells the corny line he's saying and the way he builds to it is amazing um when i was listening to it today i was like i think i need to acknowledge the fact that that first verse it's very like uh kind of mad real mad kind of rad real mad. yeah you know he just kind of bounces back between and to be fair it's very compelling i think his they definitely capture something that is like oh you're not phoning this in you're not faking it at a time when I think this is the record vocally where he's most just like fucking laying it on. And yeah. I think it's awesome. Totally. Um, but it's like kind of where he's like, this song he's exploring the voices too, you know, that are like really all over from here to mm-hmm. infirmary, but just the way that he can get that like, hey, there's sleepy smile. And then into that, like, see, you got those bedroom eyes that are just yeah. like so, it's almost conversational the way that he feels it. Yeah. It's, really burrowing too into this person that he's after well and i think that's the thing is like there's a little bit of like on so many subsequent songs i think we've talked about a lot with god damn it where he's really exploring where he can land and what he can do right this he feels very confident like this doesn't feel like he's stumbling through it like he knows he can land all four of these fucking different deliveries yeah but after this, he never does something like that again. It's usually one or two, sure, maybe three, uh, of his different flavors. Um, and I think that's why I like it is because it really feels like he's using everything at his disposal. Everything in the toolbox is being utilized, and they make it work. And I don't think it worked for me on first blush because especially come out of Fuck You, Aurora, which I think is a more traditional version of a sad ballady type song. Right. Um, I think this one is just really weird and it's really uncomfortable. And would I put this on a playlist for someone's first 20 alkaline trio songs? Probably not. But I think this is an amazing kind of outlier deep cut that really just does a lot of things that I don't think they ever did again, because I'm sure to them it feels messy and weird and off but I remember seeing them play it at those past live shows. And I'm like, this will probably be the only time I ever see this song live. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, I, it's like, I was more excited for the, maybe I'll catch fire night because like their songs on this record. I have never seen them bust out this five, three, 10, four. Like this isn't even keep them coming. Like these are not songs they play. Uh, and I can definitely say like, I think the first half of this song, the room's kind of like, Hmm. But I think by the end, it really earns that catharsis. It really earns that build. And they don't have they don't have songs that build in that way. Like no, at all. That bridge is so extended. It's yes. so long, 
and it really, really requires, I think, a lot of investment. And there's a lot of investment, too, in like what comes before it, because you can't just land there without doing some very, very jagged-ass shit beforehand. Yeah, I, I think the only song I can even correlate it to that does a similar thing would be 97, with that really long, I don't deserve this bridge. And I think the difference is, like, I don't deserve this is really on its face and it's really plain spoken and it just hits. And that song works because it's so chaotic that you then kind of like breaks down into this really like simple affecting moment. Whereas here you're really kind of off kilter, you know, you're kind of on your back leg a little bit, just not really sure what's happening. And then when you get here, it is kind of guiding you up to this really kind of ugly moment of just like, you know, crescendo. And I think part of what really makes it work is like, I would say just like the restraint and subtlety in how Glenn plays like the first measure or two versus how he plays the third and fourth is always really affected me. I think it allows so much room for Matt to deliver it. And I think again, Dan just really is doing stuff that I think slots in so well here. I to call it tasteful would um, maybe not be the right word because he's very busy. Yeah. But, but it's all like low down. Yeah. It's I, not that high kind of pingy thing that mm-hmm. he does so much on early stuff. I think that w- what I do, what I really, really came back to because similarly so, you know, I've had different phases with this. And I think one thing that this song in particular really like suffers from is the fact that if I'm listening to maybe I'll catch fire and I have access to a skip button, Mm. I don't and never have listened to fuck you Aurora every time because it's like, sure. One of those songs, it's like, it's for me, it, it evokes a big emotional response. Totally. And it's, you know, it's kind of like when you're in that track, you're fucking in it. But if you're not there for it necessarily, it's also very long. So it's like yes. you skip Fuck You Aurora and then I think Sleepyhead is just like, well, I also like don't need to hear that right now. I can just go to maybe I'll Well, catch and fire. I think it starts in such an unpleasant way. Yeah. Like the guitar tone on those early like strums sounds like someone's like dragging a like metal gate across the sidewalk. Like it's just really unpleasant. Just like that. Yeah. Like, I totally get, like, even if you've heard Fuck You Aurora and that comes on, you're like, like, it's definitely a move to kind of brush you back a little bit. Right. And I, I think that, you know, going back to the that moment of crescendo, I I think it's really easy to be like, it's raining flames. Like, yeah, okay. Dude. Sure. But I love the fact that it's a line like nothing to see here but the rain nothing to hold you but the flames it's like there is maybe something there for you but then to take it away mm-hmm. and say it's raining flames like no there's nothing like this is this is your death you are going to rot and yes. die you motherfucker yeah and and i think i like that and i think there's perhaps the weirdest turn of phrase which he says at the very end of the song is, I'm assuming you reckon you won't. I know. It's such a fucking wild ending. It's like, what? It's just looking at that sentence in my brain, it's like, 
it, it's like very much structured where it's like two words, two words, two words to mm-hmm. kind of build up this phrase, which is an interesting construction. And when I first heard this song, I misheard that completely. I thought he was saying, I'm assuming you're wrecking your world. Right. Um, and I like it better what it actually is because it's so weird and off and like it's kind of like putting words in the mouth of the person he's talking to that he's probably had said to him the like, oh, I reckon I won't or something like that. Like it's a really like interesting construction. It is an interesting construction. And I think what I always like equate something like I reckon is it's kind of like one of those like like spaghetti Western like acknowledging like some sort of like frailty about life or Mm -hmm. some like inevitability where it's just like you know yeah i'm that's i reckon but what are you gonna do about it it's like yeah the inevitable nature of like death and destruction and totally um but yeah i guess this is a song that i'm sure many people could be like well when you don't forgive that kind of stuff later on and I'm like, you're, you're right. I don't. Right. But this, this feels intentional to me. There's a weirdness to it. There's a, th- the choices of phrasing all feel very, very thought about, um, in a way that I feel like when he's just kind of rushing through cliches, like this, these are cliches, but it's still that period where he's kind of twisting them on their head and putting them together and reassembling them. And there is kind of a weird deconstructionist vibe to this song that I just really, really love. Yeah. And I found myself like really falling in love with just the, you sit through that verse and then you just get that beautiful hanging moment where he can just drop a line like, Hey, there's sleepy smile, which has such oh, a God. goddamn hook to it. And thinking about them playing it live like that has to be just such a huge like shout along moment yeah and then he just takes it away you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. there's there's really a lot a lot to love here and i think that from my my perspective because i i knew that this was going to be one that you were really really amped about and i was and And, am and and what i very purposefully did for the purposes of this podcast was I haven't listened to it since we started. I that's a long time ago now. Right. And I haven't, um, I knew that I had an opinion formed on it and I look back on that opinion and there are things that I still agree with. Mm -hmm. I think, um, hit me with it. Well, something like, like, you know, the lyrics being lame. Sure. 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 Yeah. But that's also kind of like, I don't know, say that's like pointing out the boom mic that you can see in the in the shot or like, you know, you can say that you can say that like, oh, that's a lame lyric and feel smart because you're 22 now instead Mm -hmm. of 16 when you still thought it was kind of lame. Yes. You know what I mean? Where it's like now it's it's like, fuck, I'm, I'm like in my 30s. Like, who the fuck cares if the alkaline trio says something lame there's a goddamn alkaline trio everything yes. is inherently lame yes um i love them so much um but i wanted to come back to this with fresh ears because i think something that i really gain a lot of out of this podcast is being able to go back and and 
look at those moments where you have made a few conclusions down the line and then knowing that you were stoked about this one, mm-hmm. not wanting to partake until we needed to and fucking I enjoyed it so much. Yeah, I mean, I guess like how do you feel about it now? What are the things that feel different to you on this listen, this fresh listen compared to ones five years ago, 10 years ago? I think that it is a, it's a daring track. I think that the like sort of jaggedness to it is a lot more intentional than I originally read it. I think at my most um, pessimistic moments, I kind of read this as a song that's like, we gotta we gotta come up with something totally and like and I here's a riff that we just start jamming on and there it becomes a song and i don't doubt that was its genesis given how quickly this record was written and that they all copped to that totally totally um you know l- lyrically i i i still think that there could be some difference in the second verse sure but i really really came around to how much I love that chorus line, how much I love the way he just like burrows into the emotions of the song and how that, like you said, um, really connects musically in ways that doesn't happen too much on other Alkaline Trio songs. And I think that's like the biggest value of, of this song is that it's so different. And I think putting it in context too, where at, at one it's maybe a tough spot to follow a long song mm-hmm. like Fuck You Aurora, which has a lot of repetition with another long song with a lot of repetition that doesn't have nearly the amount of like uh, just emotional glue that we're totally, able to all cling totally. to. But on the opposite side of that, that's a bold ass move. Mm-hmm. It's This is a record that is there is pressure to follow up on what felt like such an overnight like yeah sensation of a record and now you have to go improve yourself and to stick two songs like fuck you aurora and sleepyhead at four and five like whereas you look at goddamn it like you have a like slower emotional moment with San Francisco four and five is where you kick it the fuck up and they do the opposite here. And that takes, that takes gumption. That takes a lot, especially when you're dealing with the types of pressure of a follow-up record. And, and beyond that, I mean, I think one of the things that often gets lost is like with the, I lied my face off EP coming out in between those two, the fact that they don't reuse any of the material from that EP on this has always been like, I'm shocked. Like if they were pressed for time, it's like, we're going to redo goodbye forever. We're going to redo bleed or whatever. Like other songs that I would say are classics in the, in their world. And instead they're just like, no, let's just write weirder songs. Yeah. You know, I never really thought about that, but the fact that like in, in so many, in so many ways, like fuck you, Aurora, it's, could be so easily interchanged for a song like Bleeder mm-hmm. or I Lied My Face Off. And what they did instead was they they gave they gave us a track that doesn't 
nearly have like the just the like like those songs burrow so well yes and yes fuck you aurora does too but i i think it it does it very differently and yeah i think that that's that's a really good point i never thought about it that way it, it's one of the things i've only thought about recently in talking about this is like there's a world where like if this track was swapped with i lied my face off another weird kind of song it would play really well in that slot and I'm really glad they did this instead because I don't see a world like this doesn't fit in with that batch of songs. Yeah. This song would never get released on anything after the fact. Like it needs to exist in the weird spot it does because they existed in a weird spot in time. And I don't think there's another way a song like this would ever, ever, ever get produced. Yeah. And I think that like it's I I, I feel so much of the I feel I I don't know I personally feel like there's so much of that second LP weight weight W mm-hmm. E I um, G H D yeah no I knew that I I felt like I didn't need to continue I just um, felt that I like to finish your words or my letters uh-huh. um but I feel I feel like there's there's really a lot of that that's just like burrowed into the material here um like especially on keep them coming it's very much like what the fuck's like going on yeah with this record so i don't know i feel like there's a real intentionality to this track being where it is and i feel like for a band that later on maybe reacts a little bit too hard to fans not being super receptive to something sure this never feels like like the ugly like stepchild that's locked in the closet yeah i mean there's confidence they made the move and they committed to it and there's not a secondary like oh fuck oh boy you know it's just kind of like all right well that's what we did so if you don't like that song yeah fuck you that's on the record yeah fuck Um, you aurora and everybody else what do you rate it tim i give this song a Four out of five. Um, I'm about to rate it to a degree that puts it in an echelon that is uh, probably too high, but it's one I love, so it gets five. Five song, five stars for track five. Hell yeah, because I love when we have the opportunity to. I think, I think we don't really come on here too often and and drop ratings that are too like surprising mm-hmm. to people. I think that this, you know collectively getting nine and including <laughs> one five is like probably a uh, shock i didn't expect it i mean it's it's canon for me you know and i think that's the thing is like when i was even naming those other songs bleeder goodbye forever lied my face off fuck you aurora like you know those are all clearly such high caliber songs and putting sleepyhead up next to them you can be like yeah it's not I can acknowledge it's not in that same echelon, but for me, for all the reasons I outlined and for the fact that when I listen to it, I want to play it again and again. There's not a lot of Alkaline Trio songs where like it hits the end and I'm like, fuck, I want more of that and just hit repeat. Yeah. This is the only one I really do that with. Yeah. So for me, it has to be up there. Right, right. Because it is, it is wanting more of it. It's not, oh, I want to go back to the beginning and like you know sing all the words again and you have to go through that weird journey 
to get there and that's why i love it yeah yeah totally i think for for you as someone who really really likes heavy music Mm -hmm. this is really a, a link into that world because this is such a patient song that is is it sets out to do a lot of different things that have emotional catharsis and one can't exist without the other and you gotta wait them out bingo and uh, i think that's the thing is like i love heavy stuff and i love stuff that really i'm not a when i was younger i was but i'm no longer averse to long things (laughs) so we're like i like a thing that like oh this earns all of that time and maybe there is a weird uncomfortable part but at least to me and maybe everyone else who's listening to this disagrees i think it earns it and for me that's that's something that uh music so rarely can do and especially in this world you know yeah i also think too that like i mean this is this is list of mania season that we're sure, in right sure. now especially at the end of the decade but you gotta you gotta rank some of them higher than maybe objectively they deserve to be sure because you gotta fucking be able to argue them and true i think that that five out of five is like fucking prove me wrong motherfucker (laughs) it's it's just like i i'm willing to hear anyone out who feels differently and i would love to hear that but i i would just encourage them to like be patient with this one and it's like that's not a thing i have to say about really any of these other songs like we've named the few that maybe qualify for that so there's a half dozen outline trio songs that require that I like that this one is not the one that people love, and yeah. I, I think it deserves praise. And I think too, if um, if you haven't listened to it in a while, like go back and think about it. Think about it a little bit differently. Think about it not in terms of well, I don't like this song as much as I like maybe I'll Catch Fire because mm-hmm. those are those are very different tracks. And I think learning to take in what is not immediately apparent is a good thing and it'll help you and it helps me too enjoy music that that stretches beyond uh what is easy easy money for Mm -hmm. me to um i just want to i want to note on on this episode in particular um as we've had a lot of discussions about um record labels and record label practices i found myself in such a deep appreciation and you reminded me of it when we talked today about ordering this record from the asian Mm -hmm. man catalog the fact that this band's label for the first few years of its existence this all exists on handshakes yep and all all of the like things that we were able to go and do retrospectively when we find this band who used to be on a different label it was all made very easy mm-hmm. and all parties involved benefited so much from just being good to each other and taking care of each other asian man records would not exist without the alkaline trio and it continues to make Mm -hmm. fucking great records totally so make sure that you're supporting good people and also like there is something to be said too about the fact that alkaline trio could have 
taken those records and moved them into a different distributor, but they kept them with Mike Park, who kept mailing them from his parents' garage, and that's a fucking beautiful thing. Punk rock is very cool. Damn, best thing that we got. Um, hey, you're also the best thing we got, David. And I hope that picked up. It did. I saw it blip, and it's uh, it, it brings both of us a lot of joy to be able to sit down and, and do this again and to talk enthusiastically about this band that we care so much about whether they do the thing that we agree with or not we are always excited to talk about it and we were excited to talk about it two years ago when we said let's do this thing because it'll be fun and like fuck it who cares and the fact that people keep coming back is amazing and we appreciate it and we invite you to tell a friend about it to come back next week because we're going to be back Mm -hmm. next week with another episode um we have a patreon patreon.com slash as you were you can pledge over there vote on some polls we've got some bonus content over there some merchandise um but either way we'll be back next week It'll still be free, and we look forward to it, and we look forward to talking to you. Thanks, folks. Bye. Bye.